Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Light, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Week four, Illuminate. Thank you for being here, first of all. If you got your Bibles, flip with me to uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. It's our series text. We've read it every week. It's in the bulletin. It'll be on the screen behind me. Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Father, we do pray that you are glorified in this room today and that you are glorified in our lives. God, as we, as we gather together in your name, God, we do desire for you to be lifted up. You told us that if you were lifted up, you'd draw all men to you. And God, that's our prayer. Use us to be salt and light into our lives, into our community, into our families, into our neighborhoods, into our schools. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. all right, y'all going to have to get with me if we're going to go fast. And everybody said, Amen. y'all want to go. <laughs> What's the most important part of being a Christian? What's the most important part of being a Christian. See, if you would have asked me that question when I was a new believer, I probably would have echoed some of the things that I was taught in my home church. Great things, by the way, but I I would have probably said, well, it's important that you live right, stay away from sin. That's important, right? Is it the most important? I don't know. I don't know. Is it? See, I, I would have told you about how um, we're, there's these lists of rules that we're supposed to follow, and I quickly found out that I couldn't follow them, and I'm not even sure I knew them all. Is that, is that the most important Following the rules, is that the mo- See, that seems like it puts a lot more responsibility on the Christian than it does on Christ. And isn't it supposed to be the other way around? Didn't he do the work? Didn't he accomplish the task? Yes, I, I believe so. So, what's the most important part? If you start a new job, they're going to teach you the most important part first. A few years ago, I started driving a school bus. And part of my training was to learn how to manage the students when they were on my bus and to learn how to read the route sheet. So I went and picked up the right kids and, and, to, and, and to know where to park my bus between routes. I had to, they taught me all that. But you know what they taught me first? How to drive the bus. So what's the most important part of our job as a Christian? What's the most important part? Part. See, I think sometimes we get, so, we get so consumed with the spokes of the wheel that we ignore the hub. 
See, if, if you were to ask a good Catholic, what's the most important part of being a Christian? You'd, they'd probably talk to you about the importance of attending weekly Mass and participating in the sacraments and going to confession. If you're talking to a good Pentecostal man, he would probably tell you that the most important thing was to be filled with the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues. If you're talking to a good Baptist lady, she's probably going to talk to you about the importance of water baptism and understanding the Roman road to salvation. Talking to a good Methodist man, he's probably going to quote their founder, John Wesley, when he said, the world is our parish. And they're going to talk to you about the importance of of missions and service and social justice. Talking to a good non-denominational man, he's probably going to talk to you about being the importance of being relevant to our culture and having a very cool website. Okay, that was a Tim Hawkins joke. Everybody laughed when he said it. Are all those things important? Absolutely. And we embrace all of those things. We embrace them. But can I tell you, they're spokes in the wheel, not the hub. They're spokes. We embrace them. We, we believe in water baptism. And we believe in understanding our, the, the importance of us uh, recognizing the world as our, pol- as our parish. We believe in those things. Importance of coming to church and participating in the Lord's Supper. We believe in all those things. But can I tell you, they're not the hub of the wheel. They're important. They're critical. But what's most important? Maybe a better question would be, what's most important to God? See, there's... Some people ask Jesus this very same question. And he responded. And now, before, before I read to you how he responded, let me give you a little context in the Scripture. See, Jesus, contrary to what you may believe about Jesus, Jesus was a little bit of a rebel. And, and, and what I mean by that is he tended to push aside religious norms of the day. And he challenged the way people thought and the way people believed. And this made religious people very, very, very uncomfortable. And, and this particular day, there were a group of religious leaders that were challenging him on some of the laws of Moses. And for every question that they asked, he had a very poignant, profound, and in-your-face answer. So that brings us to this young, I'm assuming young, I don't know, maybe not, uh, this teacher of, of religious law. We pick up reading in verse 28. One of the teachers of religious law, let me pause right there. That meant his job was to know and live and understand and instruct 613 laws the Jewish people embraced. That was his job, his lot in life. was So I can imagine his confusion. There's 613 of these laws. Which one is the most important? Help me. Help me help them. Which one is the most important? 
teacher of the religious law, was standing there listening to the debate. And he realized that Jesus had answered well. So he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus, who was the greatest teacher that ever walked the planet, Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And it's as if he's saying, before I answer your question, let me just give you some foundational information. There's only one God. It's Jehovah God, the Lord our God. There's only one. I believe if Jesus were talking to us in our context, he'd say, look, there's only one God, and it's not you. And it's not your career, and it's not your 401k, and it's not your bank account, it's not your house, it's not what you own. There's only one God, and it's not you. And, and listen, it's not your family, and it's not your children, and it's not all of these things that you hold dear. There's only one God, and it's not you. It's the Lord. There's only See, I'm spending a little moment here because, see, if we don't get that part, none of the rest of it means anything. If, if, If God in our life is just another trophy on the shelf, if he's just another part of our daily, if it's just part of who we are, and he doesn't consume us, if he doesn't have our heart, if he doesn't, if he doesn't own us, if we're not surrendered completely, none of the rest of this means very much. The Lord, our God, is the one and only God. And verse 30 says, and you must love the Lord. Don't you find it interesting that he didn't say, the Lord, our God, is the one and only God, and you must obey the Lord. Don't you find it interesting that he didn't say, the Lord, our God, is the one and only God, and you must serve the Lord. It's not what he said know what he said he said the lord our god is the one and only god and you must love the lord oh and if you if you read the old testament here's what you'll find that the lord is a jealous god and and the affection and and love that you have for him he doesn't want to share with anything else listen he doesn't want to share it with anyone else he wants it see we we interchange that that word love so easily i i love marco's pizza i really do actually love marco's pizza i love the braves i whatever i i i love god this doesn't feel right does it i think I think he's calling us to a different kind of devotion. I think he's calling us to a different kind of love than the, than, than the word that we so easily throw around. He wants us all. Love the Lord. Oh, and then it, it, uh, it, he just, Jesus, I just love to pick apart his words because he, he, how many know that Jesus didn't say anything by happenstance or coincidence? He said, and you must love the Lord your God. Why didn't he just say you must love the Lord God? He didn't say that, did he? You must love the Lord your God. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything to me because 
I'm not a Christian and I don't follow God. And so that doesn't... How, how many of you know that He's your God whether you recognize it or not? Whether you understand and surrender to that fact, He's your God. He gave you life. He gave you breath. And your days will stop the moment He wants them to stop. He's the Lord, your God, whether you choose to accept that or not, whether you choose to recognize that He's the Lord, your God. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart. So here's the question I'm going to ask you. You can write this down if you want to. Except, if you write this down, write it down like this. Does he have my heart? Does he have my heart? Does he have my heart? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. I love the way the Message Bible reads that passage. It says that we must love the Lord your God with all your passion, with all your prayer, with all your intelligence, and with all your energy. With all of your passion, all of your prayer, all of your intelligence, all of your energy. With everything that makes you, you. Love your God with that. And the second, verse 31, is equally important, Jesus said. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. He said, that's the hub of the wheel. So if we were taking his words literally, which I believe we need to, then the hub of the wheel can be summed up in four words and two punctuation marks. Love God, period. Love people, period. I submit to you that that is the hub of the wheel. That before we worry about our doctrine, our dogma, our denomination, we must first answer the call of Jesus and love God with all of our heart and love people as we love ourselves. Someone very wise one time said, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Love God, love people. Could it be that those four words are the hub of the wheel? Could it be that simple? And I say yes. In fact, I'm going to say it like this. Those four words should be the filter by which we live every part of our lives. Love God. Pursue Him. Talk to Him. Talk about Him. Read about Him. Know Him. Learn Him. Find a reason to be in His house instead of an excuse to stay at yours. I watch this very cerebral television show. And it's, I mean, this is high intellect stuff. So you may not enjoy it because it's very academic 
It's called Survivor. Anybody? Any Survivor fans here at all? Two of you. Oh, I'm in trouble. Here's what, I've been watching this show for like 10 years. And here's what Survivor has taught me. Is that you can take a group of people and, and put them in close proximity with each other. And one of two things is going to happen and develop. Either affection or animosity. See, you can put a group of people together, put them on an island, and they're either going to fall in love, become best friends forever, or they're going to hate the ground they walk on. I've seen people come off the, the island and Survivor and go get married. I've also seen at the reunion show at the end of the season, I'm, I'm like, somebody's got a gun and they're going to kill each other. It's true. That's when you put 18 human beings together. But listen to me. I'm going to tell you what will happen if you live your life in close proximity to Jesus. You'll fall in love with him. You'll want every part of your life to be consumed by his power and presence. And you'll want everybody you know to know him. You'll so, you'll so fall in love with him that he'll be the first thing you talk about. Well, Dwayne, I don't know if I want to be one of those Jesus freaks. I, I want to die being a Jesus freak. I want to go, I, I want to I see his face and him go, man, you were crazy. You were off the chain. You were, don't you, see, I, the, I was talking to my, my good friend Tony this morning. The older I get, the older old is. You know what I'm saying? When I, was, when I was 19, 40 was ancient. When I was 30, 50 was, oh, senior citizen. Now, 50's young. Prime of my life. But I will tell you one thing. I'm starting to understand that the part of who Dwayne is that's outside of these few dozen years that we've got is a lot longer than what's inside. And you know what? I, I want to know him. I want to love him. And I want to see his face. Oh, I want to see his face. And having done all I can to love him all I can and to talk about him all I can, I want to love him that much. And can I tell you, the only way that happens, the only way you love God like that is when you're in close proximity, you spend time with him. And then he said something so profound. He said, love God and then love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's weird to me. See, but I understand he's not talking about an arrogant, narcissistic, selfish love. And you know what I'm learning? That I can't believe and want God's best for you unless I believe it for myself. I can't believe the promises of God for you, and I can't believe that you are everything God says you are until I believe that for myself. See, I can't tell Donna, Donna, you're the apple of his eye. You're the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath. You're bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. You're not your own. I can't believe that for you if I don't believe it for me. So I got to love God. I got to love Dwayne. And then he said, love others 
So I'm just going to ask you another question. Do you have a genuine, holy concern for the welfare of other people? Man, I, I heard something. It was in a class that we taught here one day, one, one season. I don't remember. It's been several years ago. But I heard Andy Stanley say something that haunts me. It haunts me when I see evil in the world. And I want, I want to get angry. And I want to hate. It haunts me when I see injustice in the world. And I want, I want to get angry and I want to hate. When I see evil people do evil things. I, I, I want to hate that. And I want to hate them. But I remember these words. He said that every person you come in contact with today is someone for whom the Savior died. So when that goofball cuts me off in traffic, what I really want to do is to say words that I shouldn't say. When people hurt me, what I really want to do is to lash out and reciprocate. And because you hurt me, that means, that means I can hurt you. When Jesus said to turn the other cheek. See, I also read in John chapter 34... Jesus is talking about the same issue, and he, may, he says something that's just, it's completely unfair. He says, so now, now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. And it'd be okay if he'd have stopped there. You know, we'll deal with that. I love each other. Okay, we'll do our best to love each other. And then, but he didn't. He said, just as I have loved you, love each other. So, this Jesus, the Bible says that God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, become sin on your behalf, on our behalf, for me. When I read that greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Is that the kind of love he's talking about? That we read that this is true love. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Is that the kind of love he's talking about? That that's how I'm supposed to love you? Is like Christ loved me? It's a pretty tall order. Well, Dwayne... I thought you were talking about evangelism this, this series. You hadn't said that yet. Listen to what he said. Verse 35. Your love for one another, not your doctrine, not your dogma, not your denomination, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Love God. Love myself. And love you Like Christ loved me sacrificially, who gave everything, his life 
for me. I'm supposed to love you like that? I don't know that I can do that. The only way you can is to love him first. See, if I love people before I love God, guess what? I'll be a people pleaser. If I love people before I love God, then I'll value your opinion of me over his opinion of me. Some of you need to grasp that because you spend your life worrying about what other people think about you. And I'm telling you to stop it and be more concerned with what God thinks about you and spend your life consumed with what he thinks about you and the rest will fall into place. If I love myself before I love God, every relationship I have will be centered around me and what I can get from it and what I can get from you, even my relationship with God. Well, you know what? I'll serve the church because it'll make me look good. Pastor said that if I tithe, I'd get stuff back. So that's why I'm dropping this in the offering plate, so I get something. Doesn't work that way. Love God first. See, if, if I love God first, I value His opinion of me more than your opinion of me. If I love God first, I'll be able to love because I've experienced His love and I've received it and I'm loving Him back. And then and only then can I love you like He's called me. Love God. Love people. I'm done now. Don't you love it when pastors say they're done and you know they're not? I, I loved my pastor at the Mabelden Church of God. He was a great man and he helped me. And I cried the day he died. I don't remember a single sermon he preached. I love my pastor from Statesboro. His name's Wayne Swanson, one of the wisest, most godly man I've ever known, and I can't tell you a single sermon he preached. I need you to remember this one. If you don't remember anything else I ramble on about from here, remember this one, because this is the hub of the wheel. What's your church about? We love God, we love people. Well, what do you believe about? I don't know. We love God, we love people. Well, where do you stand on? I don't, I don't know. We love God. We love people. Ask Dwayne. He knows, but I'm just telling you. What, what we're about more than anything else is that we love God. We love people. What would happen? Will you dream with me just for a moment? What would happen is just, just the handful of folks that are here in this room today. What if we got that? What if that became the hub of our wheel? And we left this building on mission to love God with everything in us with all of our passion with all of our prayer with all of our intelligence and with all of our strength to love ourselves because I don't know about you sometimes the hardest person for me to love is that man that stares back at me in the mirror can I say that's not healthy If I don't love me, if I don't love the work that God's done in my life, I can't love the work that he's done in yours. So 
We love God. We love, our, we love ourselves. And we love each other like Christ loved us. What if, just dream with me for a minute. What if, what if just us? What if we embraced that? Can I tell you what we wouldn't have to have? We wouldn't have to have any more back to church Sundays. You know what we'd have to have? We'd have to have, uh, uh, we'd have to meet on some plot of land and put up tents. We wouldn't have to worry about feeding homeless people. Do you know what the church would do if we just embraced that thought? To love God and to love people. What would it look like? What would your neighborhood look like if just you, nobody else, embraced that thought, I'm going to love God and I'm going to love people? What would your school look like if just you? So here, I can't do anything at all about every other church on the planet. But my greatest prayer for life point is not that we have a big building and thousands upon thousands of people My greatest prayer is that if we do nothing else, that we learn with everything in us to love God and to love each other and to love other people. And just, if we obey what Jesus said was the greatest commandment, why would he not bless that and get right in the middle of it? Why? The answer is he would. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you for who you are. I thank you that you are the one and only God. And I confess my love for you in front of these people. I love you. But I want to love you more. Help me, Lord, to love you more. Help me to love your people. God, I just want to love, I don't want to just love those that love me back. But I want to love like you loved. Help me to do that. God, my humble prayer is that at life point, these commands that you gave us, Jesus, as the most important, God, you make this the hub of our wheel. Help everything that we do be filtered through that thought that we love God and we love people. And I pray, God, you'd help us represent you well in this town, in this county, on this planet. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.